Shapeshifters. Shapeshifters brought to you by Mango Airlines. If your business demands flexibility and value, fly Mango. Gladys Mawaneke is the founder of Breva. She started out as a journalist before packing it all in to go and study law at Rhodes University. Since then, she's tried a couple of different things. She's baked chocolate bread. She sold unpasteurized Amasi, but that ran into a couple of problems as well. But she's on to something new, and all of us would love to create a product, would we not, that is listed with a supermarket chain or two, and it's seen as a route to market untold riches. And I've got absolutely no doubt that family fortunes have been made this way, but the evidence does suggest it is very difficult to do. So Gladys Mawaneka, the founder of Breva, is going to give us some insights into how to do it. Well, just give me a quick um, potted history lesson. You start out in journalism, Yes, I did. I, 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 I didn't know where you picked. I don't know where you picked that up. But yes, I, I did. these things. <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, I've, I've, uh, I've taken a more scenic route to where I am today. So I started as a journalist. I went to, uh, to, to study law I, uh, and was admitted as an attorney. And uh, here I am. Uh, is, is, having a, is having a law degree useful in business? I think it's very useful. I think uh, without realizing it, I, fa- I, think, I think you're taught to be cool. And um, for on a practical level, level I'm, I'm, I analyze everything that I do, and I enter into contracts with my eyes wide open. I but tend to, to, to draft my own contracts. The, the vast majority of us look at contracts and go, ah, hope it's yeah. okay. Uh, and contracts are absolutely fine until something goes wrong. Yes, <laughs> uh, particularly after you've drafted mm. it yourself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so the law degree was helpful, but tell me about how you, you've tried your hand at different business ventures and not been particularly successful at some of them. Well, you know, at some point I knew I wanted to get out of the corporate world and start my own business. And I knew that in order to do that, I needed to to build history, to build credibility. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to be in business. So I looked for things that I thought I enjoyed and I enjoyed backing. So I I thought, let me give my hand at at backing bread, uh, specialty breads, uh, chocolate breads. And it's hard work, isn't it? I mean, you're up before everybody else. You're supplying them at a time convenient to them. No, I didn't fresh. even get to supply anyone. <laughs> no, no. I, you know, I, I hadn't done my research. So, and I wanted to, to make handmade bread. And if you know how to make bread, it's, there are about nine, nine steps to yeah. making bread, eight to nine steps. And, and it's it takes physical. a lot. It's physical. It takes, it's very, it's very, it's very soothing. Uh, but uh, it's not a good way to make money. <laughs> so I remember one Sunday I, I made my bread. I think I made four loaves or three to four loaves of chocolate chocolate, chocolate breads. And, and I walked down the street uh, to delis, trying to sell to delis. And the response was shocking because no one was interested because I, I, I didn't have an appointment with them, firstly. And secondly, they, it was too expensive. Uh, you know, I thought it was the right price because it was a good uh, product, but it was too expensive. And also because it has shorter shelf life. Yeah. No one wants to buy that. So by the end of that Sunday, I was back at my house with my four breads and I had to give to my friends to, to, to eat my bread. I'm sure it was delicious. It was delicious. Then you ran into trouble with unpasteurized Amasi. Did yes. you have an alcohol issue? So, so after the bread, I was very upset and, and I thought, well, this one hasn't worked. So I'm, going, I'm not going to get into business for a while. Right. Um, I, and, I'm, and, Gladys has just choked because I've, I've tried to open a breather with my bare hands. But I can manage. I can do that. You carry on. Tell, tell, me, tell me about Amasi. And um, there, it's opened. It's a twist of crown cap. It is. It is. Oh, apple. Nice. Mm. It's, a, it's a delicious uh, drink. And, and so, but after a while, I, I, I thought, I love milk. 
and the and uh, although I am um, uh, I, I don't I'm not supposed to eat milk uh, at all to Good consume milk. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I love it. I love cheese. I love amasi. And I thought, well, you know, there is unfermented milk, uh, unpasteurized, unpasteurized milk. You can make uh, amasi using unpasteurized, uh, unpasteurized milk. And it has a peculiar and beautiful taste. And so I thought there must be people who love this as well. So uh, I would drive in the morning. I found a farmer in Pal. I would drive in the morning to Pal, pick up uh, milk, uh, unpasteurized milk, uh, leave it to start fermenting. Okay. Leave it to start fermenting uh, during the day while I was at work. Come back home, put it in my house, and during the, work, during the week it will be fermenting. And then on Sundays, I would go and sell it. And interesting enough, I developed a, a, a good customer base uh, to the point where the farmer said to me, I like the way you work. Uh, why don't you, because uh, 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 his head of cattle, he, he keeps his head of cattle for fun, really. It's not his core business. Yeah. He said, uh, I'll have half of your market. And you have half of my, uh, my, my, my herd. I think there were just about 20 or so yeah. cattle. But for me, that was good enough. So I got very excited and we thought, let's put together a business plan and work uh, on this. So the first thing I did was phone uh, the city of Cape Town to find out if, uh, what the regulations were. And they told me that I'm not allowed to sell unpasteurized milk you know. in the jurisdiction. So, bummer. Yes, so there yeah, I was. But, but you've evolved now into commercially producing drinks. Um, yes. And this is a tough space. It's dominated by ABI, by Coca-Cola. Um, there are a couple of people on the periphery that have been gradually bought out by Coca-Cola. So Apple Tizer, which was started by an Italian yes. immigrant into oh. South Africa 40, 50 years ago, been very, very successful, bought by Coca-Cola. You come up with the concept of a malt, an alcohol-free malt beverage. Where did the eye? What was the genesis of the idea? Um, you, you're absolutely right. It's a very cluttered market. Uh, you know, uh, we're dominated by the big guys, uh, but it's, it's also a very dynamic market. Uh, you know, because drinks normally are an extension of one's person, uh, brand. Mm. So if you come up with something that fits into someone's brand, but that also tastes amazing and, and good, you can get into. You know, you can you can be successful in it. That's that's my belief. And so I don't drink alcohol. And I, I grew up with a family that didn't drink alcohol. So as I got older, um, there, were, there were two things I used to drink. Uh, you know, uh, one of them was uh, passion fruit and lemonade. And I think most people who don't drink, drink a lot yeah. of passion fruit and lemonade. <laughs> a lot, yes. Yeah. And, and so for me, I found there was very little to choose from. Something that I could drink with confidence and comfortably as an adult when I wanted to relax when I was at home or when I was out and about celebrating with my friends or, you know, yeah. at work. And so I thought there must be more people like me as well who want something that becomes an extension of their brand. I mean, what do you have? Do you have Coke, Coke Light or sparkling water? It gets a bit repetitive. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, so and, you, and, and, you, you and get so, into this market. But Breva, where does the name Breva come from? Uh, Breva, if you swap the E and the A, it comes from the word brave. Ah, you were yes. feeling courageous. Yes. yes. Well, yes, because yes, we are we are uh, rewarding people who are courageous. What what is the, what is the courageous element then? Well, courageous about anything really, but also mm. about uh, you know courage enough to to be true to themselves and true to to their values and 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 courage enough to say I I I, I can I can have fun and be okay without uh, without a drink in a world that so celebrates drinking. Yeah, it most certainly does and that's why it's an interesting move into the non-alcohol beverage space. Gladys Mawaneke is the founder of Breva 
It's a, a, a word play on the word brave. She's going to tell us how she got from a home business into a factory business and then how she got the supermarkets to buy into the concept. More on that in just a moment. The Money Show. Shapeshifters. Shapeshifter this evening is Gladys Mawaneke, the founder of Breaver. Have you seen her product on the shelves? Have you sampled her product? I have sampled uh, two of the versions this evening, and they're both lovely. Uh, I like the apple one. That's my, my favorite of the two, but the passion fruit was good as well. Um, it's hard to break into a market that is dominated by mega companies, and you are looking to break into that market. Getting into the supermarket chains is a big breakthrough, surely. It is. And how does that work? Because people tell me it's infernally difficult. It it is, hey, and um, and even when because I took it took me two and a half years, two to three years to uh, to research when I was doing research and development, and every step of the way, people would tell me, "But how are you going to get into retail?" And I I I literally called the the supermarkets and asked to meet with various people. I mean. Um, uh, I remember I, I called uh, Suzanne Ackerman's office. I didn't know Suzanne Ackerman. And she asked me to come over and meet with her and her team. Uh, so if you... T- Did you have product at that stage? I didn't, do- have, I didn't even have product <laughs> at that stage. I had a concept. I had a concept, okay. but I also had what I had developed. It wasn't in the, in the final bottle. And I, I took it to them and, and they liked the concept. They tasted what, you know, they tasted um, my, what I had and they liked it. So... But it was just close to you know to the end. But that allowed me then to to bottle because I had I had um, I had a market, so I could raise funding uh, because they had, they had given me letters of intent to okay. purchase what they had not seen. But but, but that's I mean it's, it's it's courageous on their side. They've got less to lose than you. I mean yes. if it doesn't work out, they can say terribly sorry. Thanks so much for trying, Gladys. But you know what? We'll just put extra cokes on the shelf um, yes. to fill up the space. Yes. It's no skin off their nose. Absolutely. You've got a lot more to lose in this process. Yeah. How do you go into product development, though, in a market that is full of, 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 of it's a really competitive space? So yeah. where did, what sort of research did you do to get the flavors? So, mm. so um, what I did, I, I went to a few countries to look at trends, what was happening in the, in the adult non-alcoholic space. And I liked the malt. I love the, 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 the aroma of the malt. And, and, and when it's blended with the right flavors, it's beautiful. It, it's really beautiful. So I came back with, uh, with samples of what I, I enjoyed. And uh, I started developing that. And the research, we did qualitative and quantitative research. We did focus group sessions in Johannesburg and Cape Town. And each step of the way, we were revising uh, the, the the look of the because we were researching every single aspect of the of the product. We were researching the pro- the product itself, and we we're researching the brand itself that we developed. And, and so much of I mean, once somebody samples a product and they like the product, they will the be inclined to to consume but. it. But branding is so absolutely pivotal. And what SAB, South African Brewers, will tell you is people have got to be proud to be seen to be holding a product in their hand. They've got to be wanting to show it off. Look what I am consuming. Absolutely. You know, I I can tell you a story that when when we went into research, we were researching, among others, the name of of the brand. We had about three names that we were researching. I was bent on a name, on another name. And I liked a brown bottle. And I, I liked other things, but the consumer came back and they liked the name Breva. They liked a green bottle. 
Green Bottle is where the premium beer is bottled. It's, yes. it's, it's got the premium attachment to it. Yeah. But, be, but because we're developing a craft soft beverage, we thought brown because brown mm. is associated with craftiness and in the craft world, brown is premium. But the consumer's perceptions are extremely important. So we, we, have, we had to develop this to suit what the consumer's perceptions yeah. of this product were so that the, the product could talk to the consumer and the consumer could have ownership of what would become an extension of his or her brand. How then do you get into bottling a product? Because uh, people would think, well, then you need a bottling line. You need to um, invest heavily in labeling machinery and to manufacturing the bottles, getting the bottles onto a bottling line. And suddenly you're talking about millions and millions of rand. In fact, that's exactly what I thought right at the beginning. That's exactly what I wanted to do. I was trying to raise capital to get into bottling, to have my own bottling plant. Uh, but that is extremely expensive. So what, uh, what I ended up doing was to raise funding for certain aspects of the bottling plant that no co-packer had, uh, pasteurizing machines and condensate lines that no one else had. And I was fortunate enough that uh, one of the bottlers agreed for me to place that machinery into his bottling plant. Okay. So that reduced the costs, the startup costs are quite dramatic, drastically. And until such a time as we have strong balance sheet, we will continue to use core packers. After all, in South Africa, we have excess capacity. There is, there's so much capacity in South Africa to do bottling. So you managed to get yourself onto the shelves of Pick and Pay. That's a relationship that is ongoing. You're bottling also a, a line for Woolworths. Um, yes. Using their branding and their labeling. Yes, the, yes we are. The, that sort of branding. So you're in that space. What sort of volumes are you producing? altogether well we we're still a small company yeah. really in the greater scope of the, i mean you, you, we can't compare ourselves we we you know we still do less than 100,000 units a month 100,000 so units a month it's a 300 milliliter bottle so 30,000 liters a month we're still doing less than that yeah okay so we're still building the brand mm. but i mean but there's a market you've created the market there is a market there and is. and you're finding consumer acceptance so yes. often when people you know you get into the retail space but where you really make your name is on the wine lists and in the re- and being listed in restaurants and things. Have you made any breakthroughs there? Yes. yes, you know beca- because we're a small company, because it's a small company, and also because uh, because it's a small company, we have to be smart about the way we use our cash flow. When we started, our model was to do uh, to go to the big guys, the retailers, so that we could use their distribution. Sure. So we could deliver. So we deliver to the DCs. So at at all our distribution uh, centres at the distribution yeah. centres, so that we don't have to do direct store distribution because that requires a lot of uh, you know we don't just sure. don't have the capacity to do that so the first 18 months we've been in the market now for 18 months so the first 18 months was to make sure that in the four retail retailer retailer spaces that we have we we are we are established and then after that then we go to what we call Horeca, the hotels restaurants and captive audience so this year that's where we're going to be focusing on uh, we will appoint sales and distribution companies to help us extend our distribution uh, in the country. Is it better than journalism? Better than law? Better than baking bread? And certainly by, better than by, Amasi? By far, by far. It's fun and games. There we go. She's got a fantastic uh, big smile on her face as Gladys Mawaneke, the founder of Breva. Um, she is certainly a shapeshifter to watch. Getting distribution through the supermarket networks in South Africa is difficult to do. Those breakthroughs have been absolutely pivotal. Watch out for wine lists and, of course, into hotel listings too. Gladys Mawaneke, the founder of Breva.